This podcast is sponsored by Buxton in Bayside, the premier Bayside real estate agency. Welcome to the Bayside Bubble. I am Marie Lacey, and together with my co-host Kate Harvey, we are delighted to share fun and fascinating stories that make Bayside one of the best places to live in the world. The Bayside Bubble podcast is all about our local community, connecting with Bayside's who make a positive difference to where we live. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsors, Buxton in Bayside and Chisholm Constructions. So get on board and share the bubble love. Welcome back to the Bayside Bubble. We are here with Kitty Cat and Kitty Cat. We have a guest. We've got a guest. We have dragged him in. Poor guy. (laughs) Welcome, Mark Earl from Buxton. How are you, Mark? I'm very well in between private inspections. Goodness me, it's onerous out there at the moment. But um, yeah, hopefully things will become a bit more normalised in the next few weeks. Well, at least we can show people houses now. Up until two weeks ago, we had literally two and a half months where we couldn't show anybody a house. So it's been but traumatic. Were you able many. to go into people's houses? Nope. Okay. So you we have better to go into it and we couldn't, uh, no. So that was the the irony of people talking about digital is we couldn't get it done. So what, what ended up happening was vendors would walk through the home with their own iPhone or iPad. Sure. Uh, agents would sort of narrate as best they could. So unless people were lucky enough to have had photography done prior to the lockdowns, um, all of the attached or associated services to real estate were not allowed to go to the property. So it's like been... Like styling and things yeah, as well, right? nothing. Correct. But didn't I hear that you could have five people into the home? Was there... Was there no, a, no? No. No. One, no one so, else. yeah, I mean, there's been so many variances yeah. of what we could and couldn't do through various different stages. But during the lockdown that we've just had and the hard lockdown of last year, nobody, while well, Sydney throughout their whole duration, um, real estate was de- a designated uh, essential service and in, in Victoria it wasn't, which is crazy really when you consider you know, the safety by which we can operate, like show, and let's be honest, who would track down people better than real estate agents? Very true. Yeah, I'd agree with that. uh, You know, any contact tracing, if they wanted to really learn how to do it, they should have come Come to to see the experts. The people can't get rid of us. (laughs) Yes. So, anyway. (laughs) Still getting calls. (laughs) And look, jumping straight into it, I read today that, um, you know, the number of properties that aren't selling at auction is going up in Sydney and Melbourne and the press are saying it's greedy vendors, you know, trying to get into the market. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we always have, um, you know, vendors by nature will always run away more than potentially realism around value. That's sort of human nature. Everybody wants to achieve the highest price they can and every vendor will latch on to the best story that suits that purpose. And and I've been a vendor many times, so I I sort of completely understand that. And quite frankly, that's why we've got a job because managing expectations both from a vendor's point of view and a buyer's point of view is what we do. Um, But yeah, I mean, you've got to think we've had... We've had a hiatus literally for a couple of months. You know, in in October, there's been a 131% increase of properties coming online to domain. In Sydney, there was 18%. So the reason is obviously that we've been literally locked down. So we haven't had the normal sort of spring market uptake of listings coming on. We've literally had zero and it's gone from zero to 100. So we've had that kind of 
pent-up demand of people that haven't been able to purchase and we've had people that haven't been able to sell and we've had that crazy, like the last few weeks has absolutely been manic, particularly given that we can only show people through one-on-one privately. Uh, now it's sort of getting to a stage where a lot of that pent-up demand for people that have been frustrated because they couldn't buy, that needed to buy because maybe they'd sold, have bought. And there's also volume that's come on. So with volume and with choice comes decisions to make. And if you've got several decisions to make as opposed to one decision based on the opportunities that are out there, people often will procrastinate or they'll say, look, I'll wait and see what happens here or there. So I think what's going on at the moment is actually probably to be expected. Um, But I do think as stock levels kind of normalise because we've had that glut, um, I would imagine that uh, the demand for property, given people's microscopic approach to where they live, is going to continue. Um, But certainly the biggest increases that are occurring are definitely on the periphery of Melbourne. So your places like your Mount Eliza's, Mount Martha's in terms of new places to sort of live, which have that middle ground of sort of, you know, genuine coastal type living, but you can still access town because there's a probably a, a definitive change to how many people are going to be working regardless of COVID moving forwards. And then, of course, the regional, regional Mornington Peninsula, you know, your Ballarat, Geelong, those areas are still incredibly strong. Mm. But Melbourne's still good, but, yeah, definitely not to the same extent as, as those areas. Yeah, because like you said, people were looking for that change of scene out of, out of where we are in Bayside of Melbourne Metropolitan, gone down to Mornington Peninsula, bought up the Gowrie Rye, pr- crazy prices down there. Like some, so, uh, yes, yeah, so it's been quite unbelievable in some of those, some of those areas. So and, when you um, so when you come back to Bayside, even a couple of friends of mine in the market, they cannot believe the prices in Bayside. In terms of how high they are, yeah, yeah. Yep. very mm. high. And how would you? So if someone's listening to this now, mm. and someone's in the market right now, to buy or sell, to, to buy, yep. What's the best tip you can give them right now, making sure that they don't pay too much for their property? Yeah, I guess the only way you're ever going to know whether you pay too much or too little is time, isn't it? Yes. Like it's it's sort of the amount of people that I've sold to that thought at the time they'd paid too much for somewhere, you know, with the benefit of time, we've got, thank God we did. So usually the people that end up continually missing out are the ones that end up paying a lot more for somewhere because they're continually setting new benchmarks Um based on what somebody else has bought a property that they were interested in for. So they go to the next property that's similar and expect it to sell for the same or more. So I often say to people, you're, better, you're often better to set a precedent in a rising market than follow one. Because if you set the precedent, you might walk away thinking, God, we paid more than we wanted. But by next week or the following month, you know, that benchmark has been set. That's become a new normal. And invariably, in an increasing market, it's going to be superseded. So, yeah, and again, property, I think people can sometimes over-examine, uh, um, you know, like such a long-term decision. Like People are usually buying a home with at least five years in mind, but often, you know, it's longer than that, you know, 10-year-plus type decisions. And you can't expect, you know, if you look at 10 years from, from now and in 10 years' time, and the old sort of adage has always been you'd hope that your property would double in value in 10 years, but... Historically, that has happened sometimes and it hasn't happened sometimes. But the reality is during that 10-year time frame, there are going to be bumps and bruises. So there'll be periods where, and if we look at the last period where we had some bumps and bruises, it was 2018, the Royal Commission. So we had a situation there where we had a, a, a buying market that had a very strong appetite for property, but the lending rules were changed based on the Royal Commission. So people's ability based on their pre-approval to buy somewhere for $2 million was all of a sudden retracted or reneged on. And all of a sudden that 
ceiling was now 1.6 million. So I think long-winded answer, as per usual, I'm waffling on. (laughs) However, I think the best time to buy is whenever you can afford to buy Mm -hmm. um, because you're never going to pick the top of the market and you're never going to pick the bottom of the market. And if you look at it without trying to sort of work out whether you are paying too much or too little or should you wait, I often think you can miss the boat and the journey in between when you start looking by the time you end up purchasing, you often cost yourself a lot more by procrastinating. Yeah. And money's still, you know, very, very cheap, right? Free. Um, Yeah. Almost. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So we're not expecting interest rates to rise in the new future or very much when it does, right? They're talking 2024 in terms of, you know, that's been the, you know, the narrative from the Reserve Bank pretty much now for the last 12 months. Um, But I think the foreseeable future, it's, it's not going to change based on all of the other ancillary effects that, lifting interest rates has on the economy. Um, And I think that's generally being reflected in what's going on at the moment. You know, people are confident that the cost of money is going to be low. And I think people are also looking at it as a unique opportunity to, because there's also been substantial government incentives, particularly around first home buyers coming into the market as well. And that has not a direct effect on somewhere like Bayside, but it has a flow-on effect because the person that's buying somewhere for 800, the the seller of that property is buying somewhere for 1.3 and the seller of the 1.3 is buying somewhere for two. And so it all gets sort of interlinked. And because of the money that's come into the economy from the government over the last 12 months with what's occurred, the fact that we haven't been able to spend, people's ability to save has been extraordinary. And on top of that, the cost of money... um, And and jobs-wise, everyone's generally, and again, the sectors have been horrifically affected, but in general, there seems to be um, a lot of people that actually can't get employees. Yes, um, yeah, that's right. So people are are cashed up. Mm. And you see our demographic... Of people wanting old people. I'm looking around this room. Middle-aged people. Average 35, I would have thought. (laughs) Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that's it. Uh, And you think about people with those houses in Bayside. We've all got one. And you want to downsize. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people wanting to downsize yep. that I know. Mm-hmm. What's it, what sort of advice would you, if they want to remain in Bayside, mm-hmm. what, 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 they should do, what should they do? Yeah, it's, um, there's always that leap of faith when you're downsizing because it depends on the age that you are. If you're downsizing and you're sort of retired or close to retiring, then there's a lot of nerves around you don't have the ability to make up, you know, any potential shortfalls. So if you're banking on a certain figure for your home and you buy somewhere based on that figure and you end up selling for less, and this, these are all the mind games that you play within yourself, it's not like you've got another 20 years of work ahead of you to, to sort of to make that move. Whereas people, you know, at the younger sort of 30s, 40s, making that step probably are a bit more pragmatic about, you know, making sure they buy the right place because theirs will be worth what it's worth and, you know, in the scheme of, on the context of time, it'll make itself up. But definitely downsizing. I think you've got to work out whether you're in a really, really comfortable financial position and the variance or the variability that may happen with yours, you know, selling post-buying um, is not an issue, then I think buying the right place is going to be a much better place to be because from a downsizing point of view, it is very personal, you know, in terms of what people are looking for. And there's probably not that many developments that cater really, really well to the downsizer. Um, having said that, if you're more, you know, if you are very, very much governed by what you need to achieve for your place to downsize and you have got to that stage where you do need to downsize, I think probably part of 
the you know that the thought process needs to be your worst case scenario here is that you could possibly be renting um, if you don't find somewhere that that is the right place but also the other thing that people aren't realizing at the moment that are in this situation is that often we're selling properties at the moment on on four months to six months settlements now that's actually quite normal so you know, I think a lot of people that haven't sold a property for a long time, they think of settlement terms in that 30, 60, 90 day sort of vicinity. Whereas, and that doesn't give you a lot of time. Like if you sell tomorrow and you've got 60 days, because remembering whoever you buy from has then got to give you a settlement, um, it means it's not impossible unless you found somewhere already to be able to match things up. So I think people understanding that there is a lot more flexibility with longer settlement terms that can give you time to look around and buy somewhere that mitigates the need to sort of have to move twice. Sure. Yep. Okay. And you mentioned the the rental um, market a little bit there. So what's happening in the rental market then? Yeah, the rental market, um, other than the sort of inner city stuff, which is still hard work for obvious reasons, students, students and all that sort of stuff aren't part of the equation. There's no sort of immigration um, occurring at the moment. So that is definitely a challenge. But for family homes, you know, if you look at Bayside in general, the demand for, for good homes is still very, very strong. Um, and I think one of the underpinning reasons for that, if you look around, and I'm sure you've seen driving up and down streets, the amount of developing, renovating yes. that's occurring yeah. is beyond belief and hence the shortage now of materials, labour, the time delays, the cost of in, you know of what's going on is incredible. But a lot of people are looking for someone to live for 12 months, two years whilst they're doing whatever they're doing. Um, so definitely the demand is, is very good. Mm. And driving in the local area of good old Bayside, I was driving down Bay Road and so you're driving towards the beach, all those big apartment buildings. Yep. I mean, some of them are fantastic. Some look wonderful. Some don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just don't. Yep. Um, tell us about making an investment in one of those. Your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a good question. You, look, you've got to be very careful. Um, there's a lot of sales that have occurred where people thought it was a good idea to buy off the plan five years ago. They paid a figure that they thought would be, they thought was a good figure, obviously, and many of them have sold at or even below what they bought them for. Um, we're selling one at the moment. In Elwood, that was that's actually on the market now for the same figure that they bought it for five years ago, which is fairly horrific when you consider the changes that have occurred in five years for for a normal house. Um, so I think you, you do need to be very very careful. Like, firstly, you know, my personal view is buying off the plan. I would want to have a huge amount of confidence in the developer, the way that they would finish. And I'd also want to know what are the unique selling points that this particular proposition has. So I think like anything, you know, if you're buying something that does have some USPs, as we call it, unique selling points, then you're going to be relatively insulated or protected, you know, as far as resale is concerned. If you're buying something in development of 150 or 200 and they are all really similar, um, unfortunately, you're always going to be in a very crowded space, which means price is going to govern what you end up selling for. Um, so my advice always, whether it's, you know, I, I love period homes, whether it's a, an older style apartment, something that's got some soul, some character, maybe a boutique complex block, particularly good position. Uh, those types of things from an investment point of view, personally, I think are, are something that you should look at. Often you don't get the same yield. So, 
you know, sometimes, you know, people are looking purely at yield and some of the depreciation benefits that you do get for some of the newer builds. And I'm not saying newer builds are necessarily bad investments, but I just think you need to look at each one in isolation to work out, you know, if I did need to sell this in a year or two or three, is it the sort of thing that's easily replicated, both in terms of position, maybe in terms of, you know, the architectural aspects that the complex would offer? Be really careful of body corporates as well. Often these body corporate fees can be massive, um, and it sounds good having pools and gyms and so on and so forth, but I suppose you need to weigh up whether you're actually going to use those sorts of facilities and also are they any are they actually any good or are they ticking a box to say that they're a gym, but really there's three pieces of equipment in a tightly confined space that you would never want to use. Um, but the upkeep of those sorts of things is, yeah, can be horrific. So you touched on the average yield. So when you are doing, and like anything, you have to do your own research yep. and do your, do your DD. Um, what is the average yield return on an investment property? Yeah, yeah, if you're talking, like if you're talking net return, you know, you like quite frighteningly, you're probably anywhere in that one and a half to two and a half percent. Now, typically speaking, you'll get a better return with something that's low maintenance because you don't have a lot of the maintenance sort of aspects other than things like rates and so forth that you need to pay. But that's where you need to be careful with things like body corporates. So, um, but often there is a trade-off. If you're buying somewhere that's got a reasonably good-sized block of land, a tenant doesn't normally pay more for more land because in many cases for them it's just upkeep. Um, whereas your capital improvement component of what you're purchasing primarily is going to be in the land. So the only sort of caveat on that, I suppose, would be if you're buying a period home, they tend to have an appeal that can appreciate. But otherwise, you know, newly built homes invariably will often depreciate in value, but the land will go up. So you have this kind of differential when a new building goes up where the land is worth X and the building's worth X. And then as time goes on, historically, the land will go up, the building value will sort of come down. And at some point in the future, there'll be a point where it becomes land value. So if I use my house, for example, it's built in 2000, uh, a fairly basic build. Um, you know, I'm at the stage now where it's pretty close to land value and yet it's only a 21-year-old home. But if it was a California bungalow or something of period sort of appeal 100 years ago, well, that probably wouldn't be the same. Yeah. And, yeah, it wouldn't be one of those houses that we walk past, Marie, when we're walking going, I'd no. love to look in that place. No, definitely not. <laughs> but I'd love to knock that place down would and, be the yeah, feel. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so really, in, so for Bayside, last year was off the... Off the Scale like it was crazy. Yep. Ups and market. downs, right? Sorry, ups oh. and downs. Like, well, rents. yeah, I think meant. Yeah, so you talk about rents and sale. No well, sale, sales. Yeah, like, first of all, you did some great sales, but then there were like months of of you know inactivity. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I mean, what happened post COVID last year was extraordinary. Nobody predicted that. I mean, the, every expert was saying it's going to drop between ten and thirty yeah. percent, and it was uh, it was doomsday sort of stuff, and and probably made sense to most most of us because we didn't know we were walking into. But no, it has been extraordinary for all the reasons we mentioned. You know, it's been a perfect storm of you know cost of money, the amount of money, um, the lack of ability to spend money, and this kind of microscopic view of home because we've all <laughs> Being been forced stuck in it, <laughs> and everybody, even if it was a perfectly good house, I think a lot of people just wanted to change. Yeah. Um, so none of that, you know, it's all well and good in hindsight to sort of look back and say, well, why? And I think that's why, and it makes sense, but none of us would have really had the forethought, I don't think, to put that together. So final um, question then, uh, it is now, you know, uh, end of October, beginning of November 2021. What does the Christmas New Year period look like for 
for sale. For real estate. Yeah, I think estate. Um, our team were bouncing this around the other day. I actually think um, a lot of people now that borders are opening, travel's becoming a genuine possibility. We might not be at a WA, but we can go to UK. Um, you know, therein lies the, you know, the, this sort of bizarre nature of our political system. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people are, are going to just get out wherever they can go. And therefore, I don't, I, I do think there'll probably be a more typical pause. Um, you know, last year, we didn't have that last year, because people sort of, you know, were coming out of something that was still pretty new. We couldn't travel into, oh, we couldn't travel overseas. Um, I think, you know, we, and because we'd lost so much time with inactivity and, and lockdowns, I think the property market just kind of didn't stop. Whereas um, whereas this year, I, I do think there's probably going to be a mad rush till Christmas. And I think a few people are just going to get the hell out of here and and uh, and take a breath. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And finally... Mm. Good, good summary, Mark. <laughs> nothing, as always, it's always long-winded. Yes, no, I, I do. We'd love well, you. We, we never do. have to really find very many questions, do we, Marie? Well, I had to. I waffle on. No, but yes. we, we, we normally but, have but, about but, twenty but, questions. Well, that's but. right. But the information you provide is awesome, and, and, and that's we what, like talking about. Real we do. Estate. We do. But let's move away from real estate. How have you been without the political? Bit in the, how have you been coping? And work and work and life and your family and what's been going on with? With seals. How well, they're still coming? there. Yeah, that's family, good. Which tick, is, tick. Uh, which <laughs> is, Bonus. which never ceases to amaze me. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I look. Yeah, like I, I feel exhausted to be honest. In in many respects, I feel. Um, I think like a lot of people. I think everybody's just really exhausted with um, with what's happened, with the limitations that we've had, with the inflexibility, with. You know, most people being social, just human, social sort of people, just not being able to do what we'd normally do. So I think um, in theory, given as an industry we've been locked down for such a long time, you would think we should be all sort of fairly balanced and and so on. But I think within that, because of the unknown of what's ahead, you know, when you run a business, come the stresses of, you know, what is it going to look like? What impact is it going to have? And, and I look at a lot of industries and my heart goes out to them because it's been just diabolical. Anyone in events, anyone in, you know, the hospitality space, arts, you know, listening to, I think it was Tina Turner's interview some weeks ago now and, you know, she made some brilliant points. I mean, they're the first industry that steps up when there's a crisis, like a bushfire crisis and do concerts and all of these things to sort of lift people up and yet, you know, they've been sort of effectively, you know, rightly, wrongly put to the sidelines and, um, yeah, so I guess when I put things into sort of context, I'm absolutely fine. But um, but if I'm being honest, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to sort of get a bit down and, and get sick of the situation. Yeah, I well, think, I think we've been yeah. saying that ourselves yeah. is that, you know, normally when life isn't normal and it's a bit more relaxed and you don't have all the meetings and things, you think, oh, it's a time to recuperate and, you know, re-energise, et cetera. But that hasn't happened. It's been the exact opposite. So, you know, coming out of something like this where things are opening up and we can travel and we can do stuff, it's sort of, it's a, it's tinged with a, a deep breath and a, okay, well, We'll, um, we'll get some energy and we'll we'll take that first step in back into life rather than, yay, bring it on. Well, I was just reading an article really quickly a couple of weeks ago about UK and it's, I think it was, the headline was something along the lines of Australians beware of a culture shock when you travel. And you might have seen the same article, but uh, it had a picture there of, you know, Soho, I think, in London where literally it is jam-packed. Nobody's wearing masks. They're all drinking beers, having a great time. 
and 60,000 cases a day, I think they had yesterday or something. But um, it, the, the, like, life over there, I mean, COVID has just moved on. Um, obviously, it's happening. It's just part of the community. But yeah. it's just not, it's not even front page sort of news anymore. And, um, you, you know, and, and for us, obviously, you know, it, it's been very much what the we've lived news. and breathed mm-hmm. for the last however long. They said, just brace yourself because there it's just a completely different world where Well, it's they're, they're living alongside. COVID, and that's what we we will have to do the same. And And we're we're not there yet, and we are heading that way. Mm. But I was saying before you arrived that, you know, we're looking forward to getting out of this lockdown, but there's also a bit of anxiety that's creeping into a lot of people that, you know, we have to socialise again. Mm. How do we do that? Mm. What do we say? (laughs) I was never good at it to start with. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I could say that definitely for myself. So so, so someone said, what's news? Well, what is there? Well, there's nothing, there's no news, you know, like... We're doing the same stuff every day. We're walking. But I think that once we get through that, it's only a time thing, but until everyone can understand that we just have to live with... Well, it's so bloody confusing. Like well, I, it I is. mean, who knows the rules? I mean, it's... I don't know. Do you that, know what it, metropolitan Melbourne actually is? Because I don't. I asked Marie today. I typed, I typed it in <laughs> during the week to see. And it's got like a graph. It's got you can different say, graphs, but though. It's got different shadings yes, as well. Yes. Oh, I'm confused. Um, anyway, confused. Anyway, hey, Mark. But anyway. also, also news, and thank yes. you, Mark. So Mark has um, agreed, Bayside Bubble listeners, that to continue... Our our sponsorship. Yes, so thank you, thank you Mark, Mark, and um, for and keeping Buxton. us on the air for another year. And Buxton Real Estate's well, been very I apologise in advance for uh, anyone listening. So hopefully I can you said that last at no, least no. provide <laughs> no, some insights. No, there's always good stuff there. So thanks, there Mark, is. for coming on. Nice to see you. Thank, thank you, ladies. Have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, thank happy you, Christmas you to you too. Thank you. Cheers. You've been listening to the Bayside Bubble. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support us, you can like, subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast platform. Or if you have no idea what that means, just tell your family and friends, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, whoever will listen. Catch all the latest from us on Insta and Facebook and take a look at our website, baysidebubble.com.au while you're at it. And of course, this podcast would not be possible without Buxton Real Estate and Chisholm Constructions. So thanks again. We'll see you next time on the Bayside Bubble.